Trinity Baptist Church, a community growing in faith, obedience, and joy. Once, I was driven by my need for professional success and acclaim. I was willing to step on anyone and compromise anything for the world to tell me that I mattered, all while I was sinking deeper and deeper into self-hatred and despair. Then Jesus found me, and he told me that he loved me just for me, that my worth and relevance were confirmed when he died on a cross to save me. Today I can rest in the knowledge that nothing I do can make him turn from me, and nothing I do can make him love me more. My name is Beth Markham, and I am a follower of Jesus Christ. So our reading today is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Beth. I am really excited about this series that we're starting this morning. And I'm excited about some of the the things that we're going to do in it. One of the things that we're going to try, at least for these next nine weeks, is we're going to do a little small group conversation during service. Okay? And I'm going to give you a question or two at various points in the service that I'm going to have you wrestle with and, or maybe not wrestle, but talk about. And, and the reason behind this is because too often we come in and we, we listen to the message and, and we say, well, that was a good, good word today, or I didn't understand a thing he said today. Or, you know, we just, we don't really engage with the material. We want you to start engaging while you're in the room. And hopefully that will prompt you or promote you to to engage even more when you leave the room. So here's how we're going to start. I want you to turn, just right where you're seated, I want you to turn to two or three other people, groups three or four, no larger than four. Okay, but these are folks that you're going you're gonna to talk with now, and then you're going to talk with them again later in the service. So turn and introduce yourself, and then I'm going to give you a question. 
Okay, it doesn't take that long to say, hi, I'm Keith. All right? Okay, so here's your question. Think of a, a field or a profession or a arena of, of skill like business or entertainment or sports or the culinary arts. My wife loves the Food Network. Think of, think of some arena like that. One person that you really admire in that field and why. And share that with your little conversation group. Who do you admire in what field and why? You have about 30 seconds each on that. How many of you, how many of you chose a person in business? Okay, there's a handful of business people. How many of you chose a person in entertainment? Okay, a few more entertainment folks. How many chose a person in sports? Yeah, baby. That's what I'm talking about. How many of you chose a person in science? Okay. Okay, so if God came to you with that person in mind, If God came to you and said, you have a choice, you can have 100% of that person's ability, or you can have 1% of that person's ability, which would you choose? (laughs) Duh. 100%, right? I mean, if I'm going to be a football player, I want to be Cam Newton. I want to be Antonio Brown. I want to be the MVP. You know, I don't want to be the the guy who plays on special teams and comes in three or four times a game. If I'm going to be in business, I want to be uh, Zuckerberg or or Tim Cook or or Lindsey Snyder. I want to be the CEO with, with you know, power and cloud and, and, you know, I don't want to be the mailroom guy who's playing hearts with his buddies until it's time to deliver the mail. If I'm going to be a cook, if I'm going to be in the kitchen, I want to be Scott Conant or Amanda Freitag or Bobby Flay. I don't want to be a guy flipping burgers down at McDonald's. So here's the reality. God is not offering you 100% of somebody else's ability. What God is offering is for you to be the best you you can be and step into the fullness of life that he has created for you. Jesus said in John 10.10, he said, I came that they might have life and have it to the fullest, or as some translations put it, abundant life, or as Eugene Peterson paraphrases it, more and better life than you've ever dreamed of. How do you experience this more and better life that God has for us? Well, 
It's by being 100% of the you that God created you to be. And the way that that happens is, first and foremost, in the words of Jesus, you become a follower, a disciple of Christ. That's what this series is all about. It's about living as a disciple of Jesus. It's about the mission that he's called each of us to and all of us to. And there's, you know the difference between each of us and all of us? One is an individual calling, the other is a corporate calling. Yes, he's reached out to us individually, but he's also called us corporately. So it's not just about you, it's about us. And let me say right up front, this is a risky series that we are embarking upon because it's going to challenge us to not settle for 1%, but to go for the 100. See, when you follow Jesus, when you really follow him, it's about being all in. True Christianity, true discipleship is not some safe, pretty, nice little church people thing. True discipleship is about giving your all for what Jesus has called you to. Um, It's not a comfortable 1% so that you sit on the bench until the coach calls you and puts you in the game. It's True discipleship is full on, and it's full of joy, and it's full of joy because our lives are wrapped up in the life of God. And he wants us to be on this adventure of making the world the place that he created it to be in the first place. When we step into the mission he's given us, it's going to be wild. It's going to be fun. It's going to be full. And it's going to cost you everything you have. If you want a nice, comfortable 1% church kind of thing. There are others out there. But if you want a church that's going to challenge you to live God's dream for you, challenge you to go for the 100%, challenge you to go all in to follow Jesus, then welcome. Because that's who we're going to be. What I want to do this morning is give the overview of this series by walking us through the mission statement of our church. And this is kind of like, um, you know, when you go go to class and the prof hands out the syllabus and he kind of walks you through the syllabus and gives you the overview of what's coming. That's what today is. All right. So our syllabus is the mission statement of our church. And here's our mission. Trinity is an international and multi-generational community dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ who are growing in faith, obedience, and joy as we go out to advance God's kingdom. That's our mission. And I know it's a little bit wordy, but it's not a tagline. It's a mission. And everything in there is important. So what I want us to do this morning is kind of break it down. 
it starts off and it says that we are an international and multi-generational. Uh, international. We, God has assembled people from all over the world in this congregation. On any given Sunday, 30 plus languages could be spoken uh, among the people of our church. That's one of the reasons why you heard some, some Spanish and some Korean and some English this morning. Because we want to we embrace who God has, has made us to be as an international community. We're also multi-generational. We've got children in the nursery right now. We've got octogenarians. Um, we got old people here. We got people everywhere in between, and we are committed to ministering to all of those generations. So we are international and we are multi generational. It is descriptive. But here's where the mission really starts that we are a community dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ who are growing in faith, obedience, and joy as we go out to advance God's kingdom. You might see it as not, this is not the sun, okay? This is a wheel with five spokes. What are you laughing at? So you might, you might view our mission this way. So the hub of our wheel is making disciples. That's, that's the core of what God has called us to because that's the core of what Jesus has called his church to. Not just us, but his church. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. See, Jesus said, I want you to go and make disciples. In Acts 1.8, he said, when, my, he said um, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will empower you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. See, the call that Jesus gave to his early followers is the call that he still gives to us. And that is to make disciples. Paul said to Timothy, he said, join with me in suffering for the cause of Christ. And it's not because I want you to do this. It's because this is what Jesus died for, Paul says. It's his purpose and his grace in our lives. Paul said to the Philippians, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said, I'm going all in. He told the Romans, he said, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of everything that God has done for us, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Go all in for the cause of Christ. This is um, holy, the, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You see, everyone who is a disciple... Everyone who is a follower of Jesus is called by God to not just say, I'll just take 1%, but I want 100%. I want to go all in. I'm going to give all of myself to the cause that Jesus has called me to, and that is to make others the disciples. 
Too often, what we've done in the church, though, is we've decided that we've got these two categories. We've got, we got just your regular Christians, and then we've got your disciples, right? There are some who are, you know, are kind of just normal Christians, and then there's the sold-out ones. Those are the heroes. Those are the people we... What we've done is we've lowered the bar. Because Jesus called all of his disciples to be disciple makers. That means all of us. But what do we usually do when, when there's an expected um, or there's an understood expectation that we don't reach? Because if, there, if there's an expectation that's understood and someone fails to reach it, we have to do one of two things. We either have to change the expectation or we have to change our behavior. We have to change our behavior so that we hit the bar or we have to lower the bar. What do we usually do? We lower the bar. We say, well, that's too hard. That's unreasonable. That's uncomfortable. So we're going to bring it down here. We keep lowering the bar and lowering the bar until it gets low enough that we can easily clear it. Here's the problem with that. We don't get to set the bar. Jesus set the bar. And Jesus said, I want you to live as I lived. See, Jesus lived the life that we were created to live, and he said we are to be disciples who give our all in order to make other disciples who give their all. That's the 100% approach. That's going all in so that we can receive all that God has for us. That's the hub of our mission statement. Being dedicated to making disciples, men and women who will, who will proclaim with Paul, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. We're going to talk about this in detail over um, the next two weeks specifically, and then we're going to start unpacking the, the spokes of our mission. Radiating from this hub are the five spokes of faith, obedience, joy, um, community, going out. We're going to talk about community for two weeks, week four and week eight. And I want to give you a little preview. John reminds us that if we say that we love God but don't love others, we are called what? What are we? Liars. I didn't say it. John said it. John said, if you say you love God, but you do not love your brother or sister, you're a liar. Jesus doesn't call us to love God and tolerate our neighbor. Jesus says, love God and love your neighbor. Now, loving God isn't really a miracle. Sometimes we think that's the biggest deal. Loving God is the most natural thing we can do. 
Because God is breathtaking in his splendor and in his majesty and in his glory and in his love. And when we really see God, loving God is is the most natural thing we can do. It's loving others that's the miracle. I spoke with a a woman just a couple of weeks ago who said, "Uh, you know, I'd really love this church if it weren't for all the people. Amen. You know, I mean, people are at our core extraordinarily self-centered, self-focused, self-indulgent. We can be irritable and short-tempered and and easily offended and embittered. Um, And I'm not even talking about people who are not Christians. You see... When you come to God, you discover that He is perfect. When you come to to Christian community, you discover that God's people are not. The Christian community is not a place without interpersonal crisis and challenge. In some sense, we are all hypocrites in transition. True? I mean, there are days when we're working with God and there are days when we're working against Him. We're all struggling with this. That's why biblical community is such an extraordinary gift. It's not about being perfect or loving people who are easy to love. It's about loving people through the love of God. It's about being loved even when you blow it. About being loved even when you don't deserve it. About being loved by others who know you all too well. Even when you don't feel like you can love yourself. When you begin to love people through their imperfections, through the disappointments, you begin to know that it's more than infatuation. See, only the love of God creates a bond so deep that not even the greatest betrayal can end the relationship. Friends, those who are searching for the love of God need to be able to find it through the love of God's people. This church, the church, is how God communicates to the human race that he loves them, will not give up on them, believes in a future for them. Too many people don't know that God is speaking to them or what he is saying to them, but we are to be the declaration of his presence, of his reality, and of his relentless love for every single person who has ever walked the planet. That's who we're supposed to be. And we're going to talk about that. But one of the chief ways that we declare the reality of God is to live by faith, which is another spoke. And we're going to talk about faith in week five. But I want to make a statement this morning that I hope will rattle you a little bit. A lot of us confuse faith with belief. We treat faith like a noun instead of a verb. A lot of us have a faith, but we don't live by faith. 
We confuse having a faith as actually living a life of faith. But here's the thing, and, and you got to hear me when I say this. You are not really living a life of faith until you are living a life that is bigger than you. You are not living a life of faith if you are settling for the 1%. But when we live, when, but when we, we live by faith, we go all in and we live with a confidence that goes beyond circumstances. And we then become proof that God can be trusted with our lives. When you read through uh, Hebrews chapter 11, which gives this list of all of these heroes of the Christian faith. What does it say about them? Over and over and over. It says, so-and-so lived by faith. And then it talks about this circumstance that they were in that was not what you would want it to be. It didn't say that Abraham had a faith or that Enoch had a faith. It says that they lived by faith. See, until you live by faith, you have not declared that God can be trusted. If you are living a life that's smaller than you, if you are living a life that you can control, that's comfortable, that you can manage, if you're living a life that you can accomplish, I need to tell you, you are not living the life that God created you to live. God did not create you to live a life that you can live without Him. The life that God has for you is going to stretch you. It's going to pull you. It's going to terrify you at times. It's going to destabilize you at times because God is always going to call you to live beyond yourself. You're going to come to places in your life where you cry out to God, God, I can't do this. And you know what he's going to say? That's right. That's the plan. Because I want you to depend on me. Friends, that's how God proves to people that it's Him and not just you. God didn't create you to be a cook. He created you to be a chef. He created you to do something that's extraordinary. Not flip burgers down at McDonald's. But what we have to do is do the hard work of stepping into that space of faith where God can show up and prove to everyone that you didn't do this by yourself, but it was Him. That's faith, and that's what we're going to talk about. The next spoke is obedience. Because obedience is what grows in you as your faith increases. Jesus said twice in John 14, If you love me, you will keep my commands. As our faith, our confidence in God grows, our obedience will increase as we know that we can trust God in all things. 
Faith is demonstrated by obedience. And friends, obedience is not about knowing stuff. Obedience is about doing stuff. And the doing stuff that is important to God all comes back to one thing. Love. Loving God and loving others. And love is often really hard to do. I want you to think about this for a minute. The areas where you are disobedient to what God has called you to, ultimately, all can be traced back to selfishness, to self-centeredness, where you are putting your agenda, your desires above others. We are disobedient because we don't love. And we're going to talk about that in, in week six. What we're going to find, though, is that when we live by faith and act in obedience, there's a product. And that product is joy. How many of you love just hanging out with sad people? Don't you just, aren't you just energized by people who are doom and gloom all the time? No. By a show of hands, how many of you would rather be happy than sad? Okay, that's like 96% of us. The other 4%, you guys can just hang together. What most people want is to be happy. Actually, it's not just happy they want. They want joy. Because joy is something that, that it's a state of being. It goes beyond circumstance. And what Jesus said is that he came that our life would be full and that our joy would be complete. Joy is, par- is part of the fruit of the Spirit in our life. And, and it's a state of being that comes when we truly follow Jesus and abide in Him. And we're going to talk about how to step into and experience this, this joy that goes beyond circumstance. The final spoke is going out to advance God's kingdom. What we see unfold in the book of Acts is this amazing missional community that took the gospel to the world. We are in in this room today because of that group of people. Jesus commissioned a handful of ordinary people to transform the planet, and they did. But the transformation is not complete. And so Jesus has called us to be in that mission too. A mission this expansive has no room for spectators. In fact, it requires sacrificial investment of all of us. But if the statistics are accurate, only 1% of all Christians have ever led another person to faith in Jesus Christ. 1%. What would have happened 
if the first century church had had the same fervor for making disciples that we have. We wouldn't be in this room today. Friends, we have the unparalleled privilege of declaring to the world the freedom for which Jesus died and yet and is yet to be experienced by so many. We need to understand and experience the joy that can only come when we get to be the vehicle through which God brings someone from death to life. What could be better than that? Here's what I want you to do for the next uh, four minutes. You each get about a minute to do this. Um, In your same small groups, I want you to look at the mission and think of the mission as I've laid it out this morning. What piece of this mission is most exciting to you and why? And what piece of the mission do you feel most challenged by and why? Okay? So in your little conversation groups, answer that. Most excited why, most challenged by and why? Got about four minutes, a minute each. Let me try to tie a bow on this. For the next eight weeks, we're going we're gonna to delve into all of this stuff. But how many of you remember the first time you fell in love? Like three of you. Come on. We've, we all remember that. You know, your gut turns over and you just, you know, the world is just crazy. Because you can't imagine not being with this person. You know, you want to spend every waking hour with them, and when you can't be with them, you're on the phone with them, and when you can't be on the phone with them or with them, you're thinking about, right? It's just all-consuming. And when we, when we first come to know Jesus, that's kind of how it is. It just the world just kind of explodes, and you kind of go, "Man, I got to know more about this guy." And I, I, I just there's a passion there that is unbridled. But then over time, that passion kind of wanes, often, and then discipleship is not this soul craving anymore but it becomes an obligation. My prayer for us over these next eight weeks is that we'll fall in love again. And no matter where you are in your journey, um, and and I got some great news. Um, There was a guy after the first service who began his journey with Jesus today. Um, And praise the Lord for that. And so, you know, whether you haven't yet started your journey or you're just starting your journey or you're all, you know, you've been following Jesus for a while, this is a great 
series because we're going to unpack the foundation. We're going to talk about the fundamentals of what it means to uh, to live for Christ, truly, and to to be able to to step into the hundred percent life that God has for us. So that's my prayer. That's our mission. Are you in? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I am I'm so grateful that we get to do this journey together and that we get to to wrestle through these these things that maybe we we just haven't really thought real deeply about. Lord, I pray that that we would we would be a community that is growing in our faith, our confidence in you. We know that you can be trusted and 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 thus our life is changed and we begin to to live more lovingly. And as we do that, we begin to experience the joy that that is only in you. And then we won't be able to contain ourselves and we will go out and through all of this, we will be living a life that people will look at us and they will say, I want what they have. Lord, we want to be disciples who make disciples. And so, Lord, I pray for us this morning that we would not settle for the 1%. But we would say, Lord, I want 100%. I want to be all that you created me to be. And I know the only way I can do that is by following you. Lord, we pray this for your namesake. Amen.